part of one of the most interesting musical tours of the late 60s and 70s, the Festival Express Tour in 1970 on the Canadian railroad trains. Uh, musicians Janis Joplin, the Grateful Dead, the band, and many others were there. Can you tell us what you remember about that experience? You know, if they was living, Janis and Jerry, they'd probably ask me, do I remember? Cause <laughs> <laughs> Cause everybody was messed up back then, man, but me. And I, you know, I, I don't know how, how, how I lived past that because they was trying to give it to me, man, you know. And, you know, uh, one of the songs on this album is uh, Tom heard me talk about my mom. You know, my mom used to, uh, we didn't know what vacuum cleaners was. You were there, you had a broom. You when you wear the broom out, the handle is still there. Well, she never threw that handle away. She kept it by the bed. And you know, you know what a broom handle is. And she, after she wore out all the straws, that wasn't the sweep. That was to knock me in the head if I did something wrong, you know, so. Um, on that on that train, everybody was messed up but me, and I still was drank a little cognac because I'm still nervous when it come to play. Now I don't drink till I have to go to the stage because I still don't feel like I'm good enough to be have someone listening to me, and I keep pushed in the back by Muddy, BB, and all of them. You good enough? But they was using some of the stuff that. Uh, I don't even know what the hell it was, man. <laughs> but I know before we got to Winnipeg, they had ran out. And I had a little bottle of whiskey, and they came in and taken that and drank it, man. <laughs> so, uh, and I think I might have been the only one there which would, would remember anything that, that went on on that train all the way across from Montreal to, and it, did, it was supposed to go all the way to Vancouver. It made it to Winnipeg, and they had tore up everything. And every time we stopped, uh, the fans was jumping in the, on the train, off the train, on the vans and everything. They just couldn't go no further. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. That's one of the men, musicians, who lived to tell about Festival Express. If you've never seen Festival Express, it was a film that... I think it was tucked away for decades and they discovered it and they discovered the soundtracks. It was uh, directed by Bob Smeaton. It came out in 2003 at the Toronto Film Festival. And the gentleman speaking is one of the one of the few who's still around and that's Mr. Buddy Guy. Now, I saw Buddy Guy yesterday. And as I said to my friend, you have seen a living legend. And that word you cannot <laughs> you cannot use lightly. And uh, he was born George Buddy Guy, July 30th, 1936, in Letsworth, Louisiana. And, one, and just, you know, grew up and wanted to play the blues and went to Chicago to do the Chicago blues. And is one of the few to tell the tale. If you think of of his uh the those that played along with him, they're no longer here. Muddy Waters, BB King, uh Junior Wells, him and Junior Wells played together all the time. Uh John Lee Hooker, 
they're they're all gone. And so to see Buddy Guy, when I heard that he was going to tour, and and I'll back this up because in 2020 during the pandemic, I was with a friend. We were at Red Lobster, <laughs> and I said to her, "You know, when this pandemic's done, I want to go see Buddy Guy on tour." She knew who Buddy Guy was. And so when the tour was announced, I said, shoot, let's get those tickets. Because when you're given that opportunity, you jump on it. Buddy Guy's 85 years old, so how many tours does he have left in him? I hope more. I truly hope more. And I first learned of Buddy Guy watching Festival Express. That's the power of these documentaries is that you learn about people and you learn about situations that you didn't know about. Everyone knows about Monterey Pop and everyone knows about Woodstock to the point that it's a parody. Even Neil Young, Neil Young, who I love, hated Woodstock because he said he he famously told the cameraman to get the fuck out of his way. And so. Festival Express, Festival Express is an interesting moment first of all that's the last time Janis Joplin's ever going to play with any of them she died in 1970 right after that trip you've got the band you've got the Grateful Dead the Flying Burrito Brothers uh, and Buddy Guy and Janis Joplin and I remember watching it and hearing Buddy Guy speak. I'm thinking, and and he has such a he has such an eloquent you know way of telling way of telling these stories, and just listening to him tell a story about how watching he was watching the film as they had remastered it, and he's like just being able to see Buddy or be, being able to see Janice and jerry again he says I, I didn't get that chance after that he says because you know janice joplin died in 1970 jerry garcia dies in 1995 um many of the band many of the members of the grateful dead are no longer here many of the members of the band are no longer here you know many of the guys in the band were canadian so they were used to playing those areas that and and buddy buddy guys write about how originally that train, I mean, <laughs> that train was, there was a lot of drugs flowing, a lot of hallucinogenics. If you've ever done hallucinogenics and you're a musician and you get up there to play, it's basically tunnel vision. You're, you're, you're plugged in, you're lit, but it's tunnel vision. And when I, when I saw Buddy Guy, Buddy Guy is such a great storyteller. First of all, he comes out there, plays straight guitar, and just lets it rip. And I had I had done my research because, you know, Buddy Guy had known Hendrix. And Hendrix and him got together because they both they both were raised in the blues. And a lot of the guys wouldn't take it that far. But he would take it that far, and even even his contemporary Buddy King or Buddy Buddy King, BB King, um, yeah, like I said, a, a lot of them, a lot of them are gone. But for him to be able to 
tell the stories. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. And, and then Stevie Ray Vaughan, I mean, come on. I'm going to play for you a clip of a documentary I saw on Buddy Guy. You learn everything about the polka dots, why he has the polka dots. And you just, you learn about this man who is truly, he's got another documentary called The Torch. We're going to play a clip of that in a bit. But here we go. This is, this is, uh, I got the blues, uh, chase me away. First time I went to Germany was in Baden, Baden, Germany with Big Mama Thorne, John Lee Hook, and many more. I wanted to meet John Lee Hooker, but I didn't know he stutters, because he never did stutter when he sang. And they were downstairs eating a big breakfast, and they were drinking whiskey like it was milk in the morning. I heard somebody over there stuttering. I said, well, I definitely don't want to meet him, because I ain't going to never understand what he's saying. So I just picked up an acoustic guitar and started playing Boogie Children. And here come this guy. What you doing? And I'm almost got pissed off. I say, nothing, man. I said, I just want to meet John Lee. He just started laughing, so tears come out of his eyes. He said, I'm Johnny. I said, I don't want to meet no damn Johnny. I want to meet John Lee Hooker. And oh, boy, he just fell down on his knees and laughed. And finally, Big Mama came up. She started laughing. She said, but that's John Lee Hooker. I said, you got who? John Lee Hooker standing like that. I say, he don't sound like that when he's singing. Because I'd never dreamed of, you know, I John Lee Hooker. I was in Letchworth, Louisiana, still picking cotton when he came out with that boogie chillin'. And I'm not saying, I wonder what he looked like. I didn't have a picture of him or nothing. I wonder what Muddy Waters looked like. And all of a sudden, man, I went to dream and woke up and I done met them all. And I'm like saying, I don't care if I ever get a chance to make a record or nothing. I done met the people who I admired the most as a musician. And that's Buddy Guy from the documentary The Blues, Chase the Blues Away. It's available on PBS. It's available to stream. And then here's another one for you. This is The Touch from IFC Films. Blues. Where did it come from? Nobody knows. Blues songs tell you a story. Some of them about the good and some of them about the bad, which is life. Buddy Guy, right this way, folks. I grew up on the plantation in Louisiana. I didn't know what a guitar was until I got a certain age. I would take four nails and try to tie any kind of wire to make it so I could hear. Buddy Guy is, he's a revelation. He is the Moses of the blues. He literally parts the sea. He's the one that created a certain frequency, a certain vocabulary. You may as well tell you, man, it wouldn't leave me without this cat, you know? I didn't really know about Buddy Guy, and when I dove into him, I started going to record stores and, and finding out about a lot of artists that I didn't know existed. I was like, why don't we know about these people? Why aren't they playing on the radio? No, it ain't easy. This traveling life. Buddy wants to inspire as many young people to do what he's doing. Whoever he hears about, yeah, come on up and play. Well, he got to be one of the best guitar players I've ever heard. Buddy still views himself as the kid among Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf, because he was the kid. Hey, Buddy, what's, what's up, up man? man? How you doing, man? Man, I'm hanging in there. You're sounding awesome, man. Hopefully I can get 
when a few more young people to hang on so they, the young generation of people will know, oh, this is where I came from. Buddy used to tell me, in case who died first, don't let the blues die. And Wolf told me that. Junior used to tell me that. But from that group, who's the left? Um, me. Yep. Music speaks in all languages. I'm just blessed to be able to play guitar well enough for somebody to listen. I made up muddy waters, I promise. I got to keep on picking. And that's a clip from The Torch, where you've got the Moses of the blues, Mr. George Buddy Guy. And Buddy Guy's been in many documentaries, and I'm trying to think, when does that come out? Opening in theaters? March 18th. Okay, cool. So, back to my experience seeing him. That was a moment. You know, we, we live in this digital age, and... and <laughs> He's coming out, and I'm ready to film. I'm like, okay, just cool it. So I just kind of, I do blips. I do a few seconds. I try not to just hold the camera the entire time because I don't want the people sitting next to me to go, oh, God, here comes technology. And then just kind of enjoy the moment. You know what I mean? I, I don't, well, actually, you know what? I, I think his set list, is he doing the same set list? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. He did Damn Right, I Gotta Write to Sing the Blues. I'm your hoochie coochie man. I just want to make love to you. He had us all sing to that. She's 19 years old. The Things That I Used to Do, Skin Deep, Dirty Mother Fire. <laughs> he talked about that. Strange Brew by Cream. <coughs> and Everything's Gonna Be Alright by Little Walter. Yeah. He's a rock and roll hall of famer. Um, but the documentaries, that's, that's where we, that's where we see buddy guy and the power of the blues, you know, let led Zeppelin and Clapton. They all, and even the Rolling Stones, even the Rolling Stones, uh, when the Rolling Stones wanted to do, shindig and they said well we want muddy waters to sing with us and the people were like who and they were stunned they were like well muddy waters is this great american blues musician you don't know who he is how sad is that and that's that's the racism of this country and that's the bullshit and i always tell people you know, you don't have this popular music without the blues. You don't have these guitar heroes without Robert Johnson, who suppose in that myth, and that we talk about this on the film podcast several times, the mythology of did he really sell his soul to the devil? Because they call it the, the blues and R&B the devil's music, unless you're playing for God, which whatever. But this whole kind of fantasy of the crossroads. Ozzy's been to the crossroads. He's talked about it. Him and his son went there. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the whole mythology of the blues. And 
it started with Robert Johnson and it started with Bessie Smith and Mama Thornton and all these really great performers. And so if I can, I, I'm at this point tired of the whole copyright situation and I don't really get paid doing this show. I get paid doing other shows. And, um, oh, there's Buddy. There's Buddy. We're going to do a little of Festival Express. This is this is where I first just, you know, heard the music and I went, whoa, who's that? Who's that? And a, a couple of years later, he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's won eight Grammys. When they when they call him out, they say eight time Grammy Award winner, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Mr. Buddy Guy. And yeah, that's that's he didn't have a cape. I will tell you something funny. He was talking about COVID and he says, you know, I, I got my t- my two shots and my booster. And he says, and I got my COVID medicine. And everyone's like, what? And he says, because <laughs> he, he was taking a drink. That's what he was doing. <laughs> here's here's Buddy in uh, Festival Express. the Canadian countryside, making music night and day, and then occasionally we'd get off the train and go play a concert. So we're having technical difficulties, because when you play it on a certain format, you have those wonderful ads. But, you know, that is the price you pay for the premium. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Here we go. Pretty heady stuff. You could walk in and you didn't ask me what I was playing. You just looked at me and I looked at you and I nodded my head vice versa. And you played. And you didn't say play it like this or play it like that. You just... Uh, uh, got in there some kind of way, you know. I can't do it, baby. Well, Lord, I tried so hard, but I just can't do it, baby, no. Can't do it, baby. Oh, no. You made me mess up my happy home. Well, girl, it was, I believe, two and a half days from Toronto to Winnipeg. And for any musician that was on this train, it was like heaven. And so that's Buddy Guy singing I Can't Do It Baby. <laughs> I think that's the name of the song. Um, I, I wanted to just highlight him because, you know, I can't, like I said, I can't play all of the music on the show. And 
I want to give a shout out to Jason Almy if shit happens when you party naked. I really enjoyed Saturday's episode. In fact, I was supposed to get ready for the concert. I'm waiting for him to end. And it's like, okay, jump in the shower. And, you know, that's how we do it. But I thought I would just, um, here we go. Let's, let's, let's uh, go through the ringer right here. Uh, Buddy Guy is an exponent of Chicago blues who has influenced generations of guitarists, including Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page, Keith Richards, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jeff Beck, Gary Clark Jr., and John Mayer. In the 1960s, Guy played with Muddy Waters as a session guitarist at Chess Records and began a musical partnership with blues harp virtuoso Junior Wells. But a guy has won eight Grammy Awards, a Lifetime Achievement Award, National Medal of Arts, Kennedy Center Honors. Uh, he was ranked the 23rd in Rolling Stone's great 100 greatest guitarists of all time. His song, Stone Crazy, was ranked 78 in Rolling Stone's list of the greatest guitar songs of all time. Clapton once described him as the best guitar player alive. That's true. In 1999, Guy wrote the book, Damn Right, I've Got the Right to Sing the Blues. With Donald Will Cook and his autobiography, When I Left Home, My Story, published in 2012. Um, so yeah, he was, uh, he, his parents were sharecroppers in Louisiana. And uh, he told us stories about they didn't have electricity till he was 14. And here he is, he's still here. He's been working for 80 years since he was six. Um, Yeah. An an interesting career. Just um and and I'll tell you my experience seeing him. He kinda, he came out there just playing the guitar. I'm not, I'm let me take that back. Not just playing. He came out ripping. He just walked out just played the guitar. It was and then he sang. So <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I immerse myself in the blues and I immerse myself in this beautiful, you know, sound that often comes out of heartbreak. Um, and becomes popular and, um, so if I can... I'm so tired of these ads, but like I said, it's 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 if you don't have the premium, well, this is it's as good as it gets. And uh, oh, here we go. And Lakeshore, New Zealand, where I was born, 84 years ago. Body guy, body guy. And ladies and gentlemen, I've been around the world, from the plantation to the concrete jungle of Chicago. I came to Chicago September the 25th, 1957. That right there changed the course of music to this day. I don't think this was his intention, but when he came out with a contemporary style that's loud, it's piercing, but not a bad piercing, but a good piercing. His tenacity, like a tornado in a hurricane, the energy in it, it's like you feel that, you know what I mean? His influence is so bad that people don't even realize it. 
Jimmy and Eric Clapton, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and myself, we learned to, oh, he opened another frequency, another door. Chicago just had that thing. They had chess records, Willie Dixon, Muddy Waters, and Howlin' Wolf. And all of a sudden, man, I went to dream and woke up, and I done met them all. It's like a gunslinger. He's just really soft-spoken, and he's just chill. And then he gets out there. And bang, 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 bang. The blues turned my life upside down. Had me going places and doing things that, when I look back, seems crazy. The blues turned me wild. So it, did, it doesn't hurt to play another clip from his documentary. And this is his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech in 2005. some Muddy Waters song saying I got a black cat bone. I got a, it's black. I got it. And to be in company like this tonight, I'm just out of words. I just want to play for you. Look at this. To be standing here and got to pick up a guitar and get between these two guys and play, man, you got to be me to know how I feel tonight, man. You know, this is, this is no small task, and I, I'm just happy. And I want to thank uh, uh, Mr. West and uh, Silvertone and the record company for putting up with my shit. I, didn't, I haven't made a lot of records that make a lot of money. But I make a lot of records that, uh, if you ever listen to it, it's something I say might fit you. Like, you damn right I got the blues. Uh, I remember, Eric, when uh, we, we came out of Australia and you had uh, a rock awards here in New York and we had Bo Diddley and somebody asked him, what was the blues? And he said, Mr. Donald Trump got the blues. I said to myself, wait a minute, he got to explain this. He said, yeah, he got the blues because he got to keep it, and I got the blues because I got to get it. <laughs> and that's been sticking with me ever since. If you don't think you got the blues, just keep living. <laughs> and if you don't think you get drunk, just keep drinking what you're drinking and thinking what you're thinking. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to play a little blues for you. All right? Thank you. And that's Mr. Buddy Guy, his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Very deserving. Oh, yeah. He's he's made some albums. I mean, right here, first one, I Left My Blues in San Francisco, 1967. A Man in the Blues, 1968. Hold the Panel, 
or Hold the Plane, 1972. The Blues Giant, Stone Crazy, 1979. Breaking Out, 1980. DJ Play My Blues, 1982. Damn Right, I've Got the Blues, 1991. Won him a Grammy. Feels Like Rain, one of my favorites, 1993. Slipping In, 1994. Heavy Love, 1998. Tea, Sweet Tea, 2001. Blue Singer, 2003. Bring Him In, 2005. Skin Deep, 2008. Live and Proof, 2010. R- uh, Rhythm and Blues, 2013. Born to Play Guitar, 2015. And his latest, The Blues is Alive and Well, 2018. And yeah, he's he's won those eight Grammys. And, uh, you know, often we talk about the Grammys and it's a shit show, but with Buddy Guy, he, I mean, come on. Never thought he'd win them. He's got eight of them. And talk about talk about amazing. Then he did albums of Junior Wells, Hoodoo Blues Man, 1965, Chicago, The Blues, Today, Volume 1, 1966, It's My Baby, 1966, Coming at You, 1968, Buddy and the Juniors, 1970, Southside Blues Jam, 1970. Play the Blues, 1972. Pleading the Blues, 1979. Going Back, 1981. Better Off with the Blues, 1993. And then with his brother, Phil Guy. Buddy and Phil, 1981. The Red Hot Blues of Phil Guy, 1982. Bad Luck Boy, 1983. All-Star Chicago Blues Session, 1994. He's My Blues Brother, 2006. So Buddy, Buddy Guy has had this very long and amazing career and it, and like all career you know he's he's had his moments and in the documentary it talks about you know there were some hard years and those those hard years they made him and um I wanted to this is where he talks about winning the grammy King like uh Ben do it. And I, of course, out of respect for Buddy Guy, we're going to give him a copyright because that's a song. That's a song. And 
I don't want to get in trouble by him because I have a lot of respect. That's from the Silver Tone label, 1991. Damn right, I got the blues. And that's where he won his first of eight Grammys. So last night was amazing. I want to thank all of those who went with me, those who I met along the way, and to Mr. Buddy Guy for gracing us with your presence. It, I was truly in awe. And so tonight, I'm going to say unpleasant dreams, and I'm going to leave you with some Buddy Guy because... It's just awesome. And um, this is him talking about the Rolling Stones. Open Legends, the club in 1989. And what are some of the great nights that you have had there? I'm sure there are a zillion of them, but, you know, maybe yes, just an example is. to get people to come on by. Well, for one, I know, I don't know if you saw the, the tape and that the Rolling Stones did. That money. was, yes, they did show up Ac recently. Actually, they was supposed to show up several times before that. And uh, the streets was blocked off because the club didn't hold about 65 people. And that's the uh, size of their road crew. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm gonna get to that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, first, I think it was three times they were supposed to show up, but they didn't want the media to know it because that's what happened. So every time the media found out, they had people hanging off the top of it, offering me a thousand dollars to get in there and i'm like saying okay so they didn't show up they didn't show up so the night they showed up and we taped it junior wells and i was coming had a flight out of uh, vancouver to chicago and we got almost to the club two blocks away and the police had the street blocked off and the cab we had took a, ta a taxi from the airport and they they said you can't go down to the rolling stones down there so one of the sergeants knew me so i stepped out and the sergeant said, you can't stop him, he owns it. <laughs> so we walk down there and I get to the club to get in there, go in the door and a guy across the street says, uh, buddy guy, I would give a thousand dollars to get in there. And I'm saying to myself, wait, let me go in there and see can I make room for you. <laughs> <laughs> I go in the club, the club is full. I had a guy working on the door. I said, we made some money. And he looked at me, he said, not a dime. Say, 60 of those people are the Rolling Stones crew. The other six is your manager's friends. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, the promoter was Bill Graham, who had the Fillmore East and Fillmore West. He was sitting at the bar, and I only had one drink of Jack Daniels in my life. He said, come on, let me buy you a drink. So I say, what the hell, I better take this because this look like all I'm going to get. So <laughs> they came over to me and told me, said, well, we know you didn't make no money. We're going to give you $800 for the club. I felt pretty good. Then I said, at least I get something out of here with this many people in here, and I'm not going to have a dime for the Rolling Stones. So people are saying, smallest club in the world had the Rolling Stones. And I mean, people was begging to pay big to get it. I'm like saying, but I want you to go out and bring somebody in and get $5 at least. <laughs> you know, I saw them three weeks ago in my club. And I said, man, is y'all going to ever give me my $800? <laughs> 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 Did 
Did you get it? They told me to see the manager. 